Blog Talk Radio. This is the Light of Truth Radio broadcast with Michael Boldea. All right, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us. This is the Light of Truth Radio broadcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Boldea, and it's good to be with you again. Uh, another week has come and gone, come and gone uh, at least almost another week, uh, as has become customary. I would like to let you know that this is a recording. We are recording the program uh, today, June the 22nd, the year of our Lord, uh, 2022. And uh, as has been the case for the past few months, um the spiral continues. Uh, today, uh, we're going to break away from the normal, uh, <laughs> just horrendous way this nation is being run and uh, talk about something else because I can't. Look, I, it's, I was scanning through headlines this morning uh, and uh, we are being prepared, quote-unquote, that the U.S. could face more inflation surprises. Uh, It was not a surprise to some people, Mr. Powell. Some people knew this was coming. Other people had on uh, unicorn uh, rainbow glasses, and they were more concerned about whether men can be women and whether men can uh, compete in women's sports and... uh, you know, waving the homosexual flag at the Vatican. I know there's no love lost between me and the Vatican. And honestly speaking, there's probably a good number of the homosexual variety in the Vatican, given all the things that are coming out about parishes and child abuse and disgusting things that ought not to be mentioned among, quote unquote, spiritual people. Uh, and But here we are. Uh, so... Maybe uh, somebody in the administration should have kept their eye on the ball. Maybe somebody in the administration should have uh, actually seen what was happening because uh, now that horse is out of the barn and uh, running rabid. But uh, let's get into this and then we'll get into something else because like I said, I'm burnt out. I'm sorry. I can't. There's only so many times you can see a horrendous headline there's only so many times you can look at where we're headed. Oh, by the way, yeah, you know, and again, told you so. I know, American prophetic. There's, there's no longer a, a Republican Party and a Democrat Party. There's, there's either globalists or nationalists. There's people that want to rule you without the fear of reprisal, a la, we're going to take everything you got and your guns too. Uh, so John Cornyn, he uh, apparently went along with uh, gun control legislation. There's been a deal struck uh, between uh, our supposed superiors, our, our, our elected officials, who are supposed to be working for us, and they're supposed to do what the people demand. And I'm assuming the people of Texas didn't go, hey, John Cornyn, limit our rights, please. 
So I'm assuming John Cornyn uh, went, you know, off the reservation on this one. But hey, he's not running for re-election. And American Prophetic, it'll be a bit down the road because he's retiring this this next election cycle. But if I were a wagering man, I would likely wager a stick of gum and 25 cents because, well, everyone yeah, everyone's broke. That's all we got. So 25 cents and a stick of gum that he's going to land somewhere on CNN or MSNBC or whatever else idiotic talking head news channels they have. Uh, And he's going to get himself a really nice payday as the voice of reason in the Republican Party. This has been happening for a very long time, starting with, with that goofy feller from Wisconsin that got put on the Fox board. Uh, he ran with Mitt Romney. I even forget his name. That's how just unremarkable he was politically. I even forget his name. Uh, but he's from Wisconsin. Everybody loves him here. <laughs> Not really. But, hey, he's got a cush gig. No longer in policy. I'm going to walk away from the political sphere because I don't. But, look, you sold out. You sold your soul. Somebody came and made you an offer. Hey, do this for us. And uh, when you retire from politics, uh, you'll have a cush gig. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to, to, to have a safety net of a couple million bucks a year for doing nothing uh, except for having a title on the Fox board or as uh, Monsieur Cornyn is likely going to be talking for two minutes every other week on MSNBC or CNN or CNBC or something, giving his, uh, well, as a man who's been in politics for decades now, I can tell you. Oh, and uh, in case you thought, well, you know, it's reasonable. All the legislation is reasonable. Uh, The talk, as it were, the murmurs, the whispers, uh, is that, there's going to be new legislation aimed at ammo manufacturers. So if they can't take your guns away, they'll just take your ammo. So how are you going to use them, huh? Are you going to poke somebody in the tummy? Boom, boom. You can make the noise. You can poke someone in the tummy with your gun and go boom, boom. And that'll make them run away and not rob you. So there you go. That's, That's probably... Uh, advice Joe Biden will give at some point when uh, they come around to, you know, just legislating ammo manufacturers out of business. Go, hey, hey, you know, come on, man. All you got to do is just, just show the piece and go boom, boom. They'll run away. What was it? All you need is a double barrel shotgun to avoid being raped. Just point it in the air and shoot. So, It's becoming clearer, or at least it's clear to everyone except those willing to see it, that the people ruling us, the people we've elected as our overseers, the people we've elected to run the country, are absolute morons. They're idiots. When you start talking about, what about male pregnancy? All right, I'm done with you. I'm sorry, there's there's no wiggle room here. I'm done with you. When you start talking about a man getting pregnant is when I say, nay, nay, goodbye. This is a conversation I'm unwilling to have because you're a moron. 
your IQ level is room temperature less a la Maxine Waters. And so all I can do is bow out of this conversation, make sure that I'm locked and loaded, and wait for the end of the world. I know, that's fatalistic, but I'm not. I see my kids every morning and smile. We have breakfast, we read, we swim. We do things that makes me want to hope for a future in this country because I've said it before at the risk of sounding repetitive and redundant. I know, Mike knows big words. I don't know where they come from. They're just in there somewhere. I just throw out the old fishing pole and one of them pops out. However, at the sake of sounding uh, redundant and repetitive, uh, this is the last bastion of freedom. If this is lost, there's nowhere to go. And I understand, given the last couple of years, you're scratching your head and going, what freedom? Exactly. Why? Because we fell asleep at the wheel. We didn't do what we were supposed to do, which is point out the morons, point out the idiots, point out the fools and say, no, this is dumb. You are dumb. You are the very definition of a dumb person. You couldn't hack it in the real world. You couldn't make a dime working a nine to five. So you decided, hey, I'm going to get into politics with my donkey teeth. And somebody dumber than you actually elected you to office. And now everyone has to suffer the consequences of their choices. But back to the U.S. economy, because it's the last leg. What else you got? Teetering. It's going to break. What was it? The coin of bits dipped to, what, 17 grand over the weekend. There were people that had billions of dollars leverage that if it dipped below 21, they'd get margin calls. We've not seen the end of this. Pain is still coming. And you can couple the pain that's in the stock market and in crypto with uh, people being underwater with their mortgages if they bought a house any time in the last, what, six to eight months. Because I got a sweet family that moved in next door. They bought a house that deserves to be torn down just because it's an eyesore. They paid $400,000 for it. That thing is not worth $400,000. It's probably worth two twenty dollars on a good day. But we're getting into this psychotic mindset that they're going to stop making houses. It's going to go up and up and up. Remember 2007 and 2008? Own a home back then. I rented like most other young families. But I remember the fervor, man. It's like, that's it. it we're going to lock the door and nobody's ever going to be able to buy a house again. So. That correlates to this, because if they're projecting more inflation, pardon me while I sip from my delicious beverage, black, hot, tasteless, well, tastes like a wet sock, but you get used to it. The U.S. economy is strong. The man who said that inflation was uh, transitory commented but faces an uncertain global environment and could see further inflation surprises. Again, just to clarify, it wasn't a surprise for everyone, just you and Janet Yellen. 
Yes, the people that are supposed to steer the U.S. economy to great new heights. Indeed. Uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Wednesday, which is today. This is how fresh. This just pop, pop, pop. It's not, you're not getting stale stuff. We're not doing the 88 reasons why Christ is coming in 88. This is fresh. You should appreciate it. In the first two closely watched days of testimony to Congress, Powell again stressed that the Fed understands the hardship caused by rising prices. Does the Fed understand? Really? And is committed to bringing down inflation. That's right, by raising interest rates. What happens when interest rates continue to rise? People seeking home loans or loans for higher-end items begin to decrease because it's one thing paying, you know, three points on a $400,000 house. It's quite another paying six and a half, seven points. I personally believe that at some point interest rates are going to hit 10% within the coming, I don't know, six to eight months. This is why I said banking sector is going to hurt. Because they have no choice but to raise their own interest rates. And and people got used to free money over the last three years. We're getting stimmy checks. People were getting loans at 2%. It was lovely. I mean, there was nothing to do. You couldn't go anywhere. You're supposed to sit in your basement and, you know, smell your kids' farts. But you had money. Now the wheel has turned. Things are pretty much open. Nobody has dinero to go anywhere or do anything. Uh, Summerfest is opening in Milwaukee. They're concerned, quote-unquote, that ticket sales are falling beneath expectations. Uh, Translation, ain't nobody got money for that. Why? Because we're paying six bucks, seven bucks a gallon for gas because we're paying four or five bucks a gallon for milk because eggs apparently are now a national treasure. I saw eggs as high as $8 a dozen. Granted, they're supposed to be cage-free. They're supposed to be pasture-raised. Somebody massages the hen every three hours. Some nonsense like that. But it was in the store, and the price was there. Those used to be like 4 bucks a dozen, and even then it was expensive. But, what they're doing right now is preparing you for more pain. This is what politicians do. This is what incompetent people do. They try to deflect and blame someone else. When they realize that's not working, when people are scratching their heads and going, how is this Putin's fault? Then they go back to, well, you need, you need to, you know, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be like our president who stood up to corn pop. You got to man up, son. So what if you got to eat a few dung beetles? They got protein. That's what they're... I saw this and I started laughing because I thought it was a joke and I realized it wasn't. They're actually pushing uh, the you should start eating bugs narrative. This is America. Are we really? Yes, we are. Why? Because sin has eroded our common sense. People that should have been standing firm and going, this is stupid. 
it's stupid and it's harmful, uh, decided they'd rather be embraced and applauded by the world because, hey, love is love after all. So now you have men competing in women's sports. Uh, women are getting the snot beat out of them. But, hey, you were the ones that embraced it. Remember the fag hags? Oh, I have a homosexual friend, and he helps me color coordinate. Well, there you go. Now they decided they were going to win every women's competition and get the gold because they're not happy being your color coordinator anymore. I know. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear him, Harry? I mean, that's some latent homophobia right there. No, it's not. But you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. You're trying to indoctrinate three- and four-year-olds. You're having drag shows in churches. When does it stop? Question is, when we stop it, the answer, I mean, not the question. It stops when we stop it. We, 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 we like taking long naps, apparently. So uh, our, our big thing is crossing our fingers and hoping that Roe versus Wade gets overturned. Bigger fish to fry, even if it does. Because all it does is it goes down to the state level and states are allowed to make the decision. It's not like it becomes a federal crime. But see, again, people don't read. They like headlines. And then they get all excited about something that, you know, by and large, the states that have excess abortion will continue to have excess abortion. And those that are deciding to pull back on killing babies at an alarming rate because they're realizing there's not going to be anyone to pay taxes come 30 years from now, well, they'll pull back on the throttle. I know, aliens. What about the aliens? You've got to go down a few numbers on the list to get to the aliens. There's, there's, there's things to discuss, kids. Uh, so, in the first of two closely watched days of testimony to Congress, Powell again stressed that the Fed understands the hardship cost by rising prices, and is committed to bringing down inflation, which has reached a 40-year high. So the last time inflation was this bad, I was seven years old, still living in Romania. The U.S. Central Bank last week announced the most aggressive interest rate increase in nearly 30 years and promised more action to come to combat the price surge with gas and food costs soaring and millions of Americans struggling to make ends meet. All right, we can go on, but for now, American Prophetic, they're going to jack up the interest rates so much that, look, either way, we're going into recession. Best case scenario is recession. I've told you before, it's going to become a mantra on the show. If they're preparing you for a recession, you prepare for a depression. But they're going to jack up interest rates so high that it's going to have the inverse effect at some point. Everything's going to bottom out. Everything that's not a necessity, like food and water, electricity, heat, maybe shelter. But if you got a nice refrigerator box, I hear there's one space left under the bridge in Venice, California. And apparently they decided it's too much of a hassle to try to get people clean and sober, so we'll just give you needles. Go on to your merry way. Fingers crossed you don't OD. So, 
shelter is debatable. I understand if you're living in Wisconsin, Montana, North Dakota, Illinois, kind of hard to be a year-round vagrant. But this is why the sunny state of California is chock full of them. I mean, you know, nice weather has its privileges. I'm still astounded how homeless people get to Hawaii, though. Because that's commitment. I had a friend who went on vacation a couple weeks ago. Man, there's a bunch of homeless people. Well, really? How do you get there? I mean, I I thought that would be kind of secluded. It's an island. You got to fly. So that, that that's a homeless person with foresight. I'm gonna save up enough money collecting aluminium or aluminum cans. I know the English call it aluminium. Eh, there you go. How it's the English. They like complicating everything and still fall flat on their face. Their inflation's what 11 percent. So. Uh, anyway, you collect aluminum cans for six months, you save enough, um, enough money for a plane ticket, you go to a public shower, you scrub up, you get on the plane, and you're in Hawaii, you're homeless in Hawaii, but hey, at least it's Hawaii. So I don't understand how homeless people get to Hawaii. However, uh, you know, shelter is debatable, but you still need food and you still need water. And at some point, uh, all, all the charities and all the food drives and everything, they're going to be stretched too thin to be able to do anything about it. Ugly is coming. And uh, a lot of people don't get that. They oh, it's just a bump in the road. And this is more like a sinkhole, big sinkhole in the road. And we just barreled right into it. As fears mount that the rapid tightening of financial conditions could go too far, and tip the world's largest economy into recession, Powell insisted that the U.S. economy is very strong and well-positioned to handle tighter monetary policy. Do me a favor. And pardon me while I sip from my delicious beverage. Uh, Take a drive through your local town. Just wherever you live. I don't care. And see how many properties in strip malls and the such are for lease or for rent or for sale. Then uh, do a Google search on places going out of business in your area that are having auctions or selling off equipment and stuff like that. Then tell me that the economy is in a strong position. Look, I know what a booming economy looks like. I don't care how many times they try to say it. This is not a booming economy. So, uh, this is what Senor Powell continued to say. Inflation has obviously surprised to the upside over the past year. Who did it surprise? It surprised you. You should have known. You should have seen it coming like a a, a chunky loser in Wisconsin did. I know, American prophetic. Man, I could have milked that for a year. See, I have told you beforehand. Stop. It was evident. It was obvious. You print money, you devalue money. If you devalue money, it'll cost you more to buy the things you need because your value has gone down as far as your national currency. 
you you take that and you couple it with uh, people wanting to, you know, spread their boogers on a McDonald's bun for 15 bucks an hour minimum, and you realize how prices can get out of hand, how inflation can get out of hand. I'm sorry, it wasn't a surprise to everyone. What was it? Austin, Texas now has $22 an hour minimum wage. I know, for people who love working for minimum wage, they're thinking, this is great. But guess what happens? If, let's say, I own a grocery store, and I have to pay my employees 60% more than I did the prior week, my options are thusly. Either I lay off half my employees and give the other ones a bump, or I keep all my employees and bump up the prices of everything in my store to be commensurate with the increase in the hourly wage. I know. Mike, how many things are you a genius on? I don't know. I've lost count. But apparently economics is one of them. It's Look, if, if someone has to pay their employees more, they have to make up the cost somewhere. The end consumer is always the one that gets burnt in the end. That's just the way it works. That's the way the cookie crumbles, eh? So, as Fed Chair Powell said, inflation has obviously surprised to the upside over the past year, and further surprises could be in store. You think? The Fed chief told the Senate Banking Committee in his semi-annual appearance, policymakers will need to be nimble, given that the economy often evolves in unexpected ways. Isn't that your job? To expect how the economy moves? To have some sort of notion? Apparently not. Last week, supersized 0.75 percentage point increase in the benchmark lending rate was the third since March, taking the policy rate up a total of 1.5 points. And Powell at the time said more such increases were likely in July. So there's that. Now, I know, I know. See, well, uh, Joe Biden's going to step in and he's going to have a moratorium on the federal gas tax for three months. And after those three months, they're going to increase the federal tax on gas by probably 30 percent. Do you understand that government isn't there to give you things? Somebody pays into government. The only people that are getting something free, quote-unquote, from government are people working in government, a la Mr. Robinette Biden, a la Mr. Powell, a la John Cornyn, and all these other people that are making your lives miserable. They're the only ones there getting free stuff. Everyone else, either sooner or later, will pay. Hey, you got that Stimmy check? Great. What'd you do with it? I bought sneakers. Well, I know. Guess what? Tax rate, boom, up. Why? Because we have to cover the Stimmy checks, and that's the way the thing works. 
Government is not there to help people out. I'm sorry. I know you need to break your mind away from that kind of thinking because it's counterproductive. I know people, oh, I'm not doing anything because that's, that's the government's job. The government's job is what? Making sure I got food. No, it's not. There were moments in uh, communist countries, which a lot of politicians, they really want America to be, that they came and took your food away. If you had two chickens, well, that's not equality. That's not equity. Your neighbor doesn't have any chickens. Well, but that's, that's the neighbor's choice. He didn't like the smell of chicken droppings. So he decided he didn't want chickens. What do you mean? Well, for the sake of equality, we're going to take one of your chickens, give it to the neighbor, and then that's equality. So government is not there to help you. It's, look, we've seen the failures of officials, whether federal, state, or local, people getting paid by you, the taxpayer, if you pay taxes. I do. Therefore, people getting paid by me, the taxpayer. I know. There's something, you need to stop saying that. That's what they hate it. Well, I'm sorry you hate it. You need to be reminded once in a while. You're on the taxpayer dole and you're sitting there making, you know, gum bubbles while kids are getting shot in an elementary school. I have an issue with it. The entirety of your job is to protect and serve. You were doing neither. You were sitting there looking at your navel wondering, hey, I think I can make a doll out of the lint. So, stop. I know, those of you, but we we have a function. I'm sorry. 60% of government could be gone in an instant. And you know what? You wouldn't miss it. No one would bat an eye. It's bloated. It's bloated, and between the government and the unions, they exert so much power that it's nigh to impossible to steer the ship anywhere other than into the iceberg. I promised we were going to talk about something else. I know. uh, You're not keeping your word. I am. Uh, I, I, I got a friend that keeps sending me these things. Uh, and, um, uh, why do I, why do I, I don't know, but see, uh, this, uh, program, this platform, I know people like saying platform. It's, it's just an hour of audio. Stop being so pretentious, but this platform also serves to, uh, inform people and keep them abreast. (gasps) He said abreast, abreast. It's a word. Don't, it's not what you think. Keep them abreast of uh, new laws and regulations. So, a friend of mine sent me this uh, on Facebook. I go on there maybe once in a blue moon, but I saw this. And, uh, you know, again, public service announcement. The CDC monkeypox guidelines. So, uh, in case you were trying to fend off the monkeypox, Uh, This is what the CDC recommends now. Have intercourse with your clothes on and masturbate six feet apart. 
So these are the new CDC guidelines, uh, and they're meant to inform people on how to manage the risk of contracting monkeypox. So there you go. This, and again, hey, guess what? The CDC paid with public funding. That's right. You guessed it. Congratulations. So this this is the extent of these people's contribution for the money that they make. I need to say nothing more. I could just stop right there and just go on to something else. And you know what? That is what I'm about to do. Uh, because someone else sent me a message, and I think it's worth delving into a little bit. Uh, so it was thusly, hi, Mike, request only. Something you said just stuck out at me this week in which I wish you would have shared more. You said, what are we scared of when God, in, when God is on our side? Uh, I understand the truth about it, but I would love to hear how you personally process that in the times we live in. I mean, what goes through your head having experienced the life you did with Grandpa when you see our condition in light of the fact God is our Father? I'm sure we all process differently. Wondering if you could address that in more detail, uh, either on the program and just reply. I hope this makes sense. Uh, it does. And uh, the foundation of being fearless is believing wholeheartedly that God has a plan and a purpose for all things. Uh, once you deviate from that, then it gets murky very quickly. And to me, the best example of trusting fully in the hand of God and the fact that he has a plan and a purpose uh, were when Paul and Silas were imprisoned and what happened afterwards. Because there's, there's two trains of thought within the Christian community. Uh, the first one is, I don't have to do anything. I could just sit there and, and, and smell my armpits after I walk in the sun to see if I pass out. Because God's got this. Everything's under control. Then there's the other side of the spectrum where... I have to do everything. I'm one of those happy medium guys where I truly believe that I'm responsible for doing the things that I can do to mitigate what's coming. But at a certain point, there's nothing more I can do than to trust God implicitly. So when the raven brought Elijah the meat... Elijah had to cook it and eat it. It's not as though he sat there with his mouth agape and waited for the raven to chew bits of it into his mouth and then work his throat to swallow. So there are some people that have the mindset that God's supposed to do everything. Well, I'm not doing it. God got it. Well, but God gave you reason and God gave you logic and God gave you a brain, hopefully. And as you see 
what's going on in this country and around the world. As you listen to people that have enough wisdom to forewarn you of what is coming down the line, then within your power, within your ability, you should take action. Now, there's a certain point where you know there's nothing, there's nothing more I can do. And that's when you say, Lord, this, 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 is, this is where I stop and this is where you begin. Because there's a lot of people that, that go beyond what they know they can do and they put themselves in very awkward positions. Look, chances are, no matter how deep I dig in my backyard and how thick the door that I put on the hole is, it won't save me from nuclear fallout. And so I don't even bother with that because that's a God thing. He protects me, hallelujah. He takes me home, hallelujah. But by the same token, I can have a couple gallons of water in the house just in case. You see the difference there? Now, let's go back to Paul and Silas. Because in all things, God has a plan. I, I believe it. If I didn't believe it, then I'd, I'd second-guess everything to the point of losing my mind. Now it happened. Uh, this is an uh, act. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Stop here. Because hopefully we have the time to coalesce this whole thing. Uh, this girl, who was possessed with the spirit of divination, wasn't saying anything negative about Paul or the disciples of Christ. Uh, if this were Joel Osteen, he would have brought her up to the podium and given her the mic and said, please tell the congregation, please tell them of this. So every time man receives praise, if there is no discernment there, they will lap it up like a dog. Now, Paul was a guy who had discernment. And though the words this girl spoke elevated him and the disciples, although the words this girl spoke honored them to a certain extent, he knew that the devil was playing the long game. The devil does not praise the servant of God without trying to cut them off at the knees at some point. This is why I always caution overly eager evangelists and preachers as to whom they associate themselves with. Let me put it that way. I'm, I'm trying to walk a fine line here because I don't want to start any undue, you know, jihad uh, so let me just let me sip from my delicious beverage, get some caffeine in the veins, and then uh, I'll, I'll word it carefully. 
I've had numerous invitations from certain quote-unquote television ministries, uh, prophetic voices and whatnot, to come onto their platform and speak and reach their audience, quote-unquote. I've been very hesitant and continue to be because what they are known for oftentimes is detrimental to the household of faith and they've garnered for themselves a certain reputation that I personally don't want to be associated with because at some point it'll come back on me and hit me full in the face. It took me a while to learn this lesson, but I've learned it very well. Now, this girl could have gone on praising Paul and the disciples for another month, but at some point, something would have happened where everything came back on them. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So there's a difference between faux power or imitation power and the true power of God. This girl possessed of a spirit of divination only had power to divine. Paul had the power to command spirits. And in the name of Jesus, they had to come out. But when her masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now, given the level of wisdom that Paul possessed, given that he had traveled in various circles and garnered for himself various experiences, do you think that for a second, Paul didn't know that there would be repercussions? Do you think that for a second, Paul didn't know that if he cast out the spirit, someone would be angry? Because it's all well and good until the money comes out. And if you're hurting somebody's source of income, that's it. Ichabod on you. You're shunned. You have become enemy of the state if you mess with somebody's dollars, if you mess with their bottom line. Paul knew this. He was smart enough to know what would happen if he cast out the demon. So these were his two options. Go along with the farce. Allow this possessed slave girl to continue to praise them to high heaven until something happened and they came out on the wrong end of it, by they I mean the disciples, or put an end to it knowing that there would be repercussions from the godless, from the world, the masters of this girl who was making, who were making bank on the fact that she could foretell things. Now, see, in our day and age, even the devil's gotten lazy. And so the people that are making bank, quote-unquote, foretelling things, aren't even right 90% of the time. The, the pink-haired lady, the, the guy with the leather jacket and the staff, the, I, there's a countless. 
I mean, the whole 2020 election should have burnt that entire enterprise to the ground, but it hasn't. They're like, well, next year, 2024. Well, after that, what? It's 28, 32? Donald Trump's going to be 108, and he's still going to be president again? But people want to believe what they want to believe. And so even though, well, I, I guess, I, I, I guess so. There's, there's a difference between a spirit of divina- divination or fortune telling and soothsaying. So I, I think that uh, the pink haired lady and the other of her ilk are more soothsayers than they are fortune tellers. Because, I mean, if they were fortune tellers, they'd, they're really bad because they haven't gotten anything right. It's, it's like calling. Remember that hotline with the black lady? What was her name? You, you call and they'll read your fortunes. She used to be a singer or something. It was a big mess back in the early 90s. Anyway, so they're, they're more soothsayers. They just tell you what you want to hear. They're uh, like, like carnival barkers. You know, when they... they, they, they close their eyes and and put their hand over their forehead and they can tell you, you know, if you're married or single, if you have kids, uh, just, just by reading reactions and postures and, and, and whatnot. So this girl was, was one step above our modern day soothsayers because she actually had a spirit of divination. She told fortunes and as yet, she was not an enemy of Paul or Silas or anybody else. But Paul knew that at some point, if he allowed it to go on, it would all come crashing down. And this is something that should make people in ministry very cautious. Uh, no matter what it is, if the foundation is not Christ, if the foundation is not the Word of God, it could go on for many years, it could be very lucrative, it could be very profitable, but in the end, it will be ruin. Simple as that. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Uh, And herein lies another lesson for us. If you expect the reward for doing good, to be anything other than derision from the world, then you're still naive and innocent. Look, Paul did a good thing. A girl was possessed. He cast out the demon. But the people that were profiting off of her couldn't make money anymore, and so they brought Paul and Silas together angrily, and the magistrates commanded that they be beaten with rods after having their clothes torn off. I've had this similar experience, not, not 
insofar as being beaten with rods, but I've given counsel to people that I considered friends. And they took it the wrong way because it's not what they wanted to hear. And they started stabbing at me as though I were, you know, a medium rare steak. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, I I was just trying to help you. Why would you do this when I was just trying to help you? And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, Paul did something noble. He freed a girl. He knew what the likely reaction of her masters would be. But he also knew that he had to do the right thing. And he was willing to accept the consequences or the ramifications of doing the right thing. Because Paul knew that no matter what, God had a plan and God had a purpose. And this is something that in the coming months, we as children of God must cling to. God has a plan and God has a purpose. And when we are rooted in the knowledge that he has a plan and a purpose, we don't react negatively. We don't, you know, fly off the handle. We don't get fearful. Look, Paul and Silas had every right at this juncture, having been beaten with rods, having had many stripes laid out in them, and having their feet fastened in stocks to sort of whisper to one another and go, uh, maybe next time, you know, just let it be. I mean, are we sure we're supposed to be here? Because I, I get that a lot. I, I, that, that's a question that is asked repeatedly. Are we sure we're supposed to be here? Where else are you going to be? Hmm? But they weren't doing that. They weren't, they weren't whispering to themselves as to how they'd gotten a raw deal. They weren't whispering to themselves as to how God was unfair because here they were in chains while the godless were free. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Plan and purpose. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
Hmm? See, this is, this is the unquantifiable unknown. Who will look upon my suffering and see the resolute strength that I have in God and be drawn to ask that same question as the jailer? Who will look upon my circumstances and acknowledge that only a supernatural hand could have brought me to this place and be compelled to ask the same question as the jailer. What must I do to be saved? See, it's not, I know, I know, see, I'm contradicting Joel Olstein and Paula White and Beth Moore and all the lot, but it's not about you. It's, it's not about your prosperity. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your well-being even. It's about what God needs to do through you. Plan and purpose. So, whatever circumstance that we are placed in, we must trust fully that we are there to fulfill the plan and purpose of God. I don't know about you, but if, if I got beaten with rods and had my feet, you know, in, in stocks or whatever they were called, I, I wouldn't be a happy camper. Paul and Silas were singing and praying because they'd been around long enough to understand that God has a plan and a purpose. And this, this jailer, this man that was close to taking his own life for having failed to keep the prisoners inside the prison, fell trembling before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So, plan and purpose. They needed to be in the prison. They needed to have suffered the stripes. They needed to have endured so that this jailer and his family might be saved. Once the plan and purpose of God was fulfilled, they no longer needed to be in jail. And so, the magistrates sent word and said, let those men go. It's as simple as that. Trust that God has a plan and a purpose. No matter how difficult things might seem, no matter how improbable or impossible things might seem. 
God has a plan and a purpose for your life, for your existence, for where you are and what you're doing. And that's uh, kept me during some pretty dark days. That has kept me during some pretty difficult times. Like, you know, my, my life has not been rainbows and unicorns. But through it all, I've seen the hand of God, and I marvel at it. So with that, I thank you for listening. I hope that I answered the question that was posed. Uh, We'll be with you next week for as long as the Lord will have us. Again, thank you. God bless you. And, Gino, if you've got anything to say, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mike. Well, yes, it hasn't been rainbows and unicorns, and I traveled with Mike for 18 years around the country, blowing a trumpet, Mike sharing uh, from the Word and his grandfather's message all over the country, leaving family, friends for many weekends. And that's not including the 10 years Mike traveled with his grandfather as well. And uh, because God loves our country and wanted our country to repent, and our country's not repenting. We just seem to want to go lower and lower, lower the bar, until we're absolutely as reprobate as Sodom and Gomorrah was. Last night I went to a city council meeting in my town uh, because they want to bring a drag show into the public park. A drag show where the guy can lay down dressed as a woman on the ground and have his crotch exposed little kids there they did one about three weeks ago in a city near us 400 people showed up where was the church well in this town where i live the church is going to oppose it we are going to say not in our town and god will help us get victory sad to see even christian leaders as aldermen and mayor and of of their city and not be bold enough to say we don't want this in our town it's sad that a country that started out so good fearing god is ending up so so just ending up like sodom nineveh who nineveh did repent but eventually it was destroyed and so just keep us in prayer, keep hand of help in prayer, get the word out, get the warning out. There's still souls to be saved, and there's still God is still working every day. Every day the Lord is touching lives. And while it's day, we got to what? Work. For soon the night comes when no man can work. We can't throw in the towel, we can't give up. We have to say, Lord, there's still souls and lives you want to change. Uh, we are to do the work of an evangelist, and, and that's what we need to do. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Light of Truth broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast, The Light of Truth with Michael Baldea. If you would like to order a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website at handofhelp.com. If you have questions about our ministry, You can email us at handofhelpoffice at aol.com. 
or simply call us at 920-206-9910. God bless you. They are